want to share a message about unlocking our destiny. We've been talking about days, seasons, the Moedim's appointed times that God has for us. And of course, we've been talking about Elul. And when I mentioned its acronym in Hebrew, the, the, the spelling of Elul is Aleph Lamed Vav Lamed. And of course, to the Jewish people, it's when you see and when you read in Song of Psalms, I am my beloved's and he is mine. Ani ledodi vedodi li. This is that season of, of just really going after him with all of your heart. And if there's things in your heart that are hindering you from going after him, this is the season to just say, Lord, you got permission. Go into my heart and reveal those things. Because you need to know this. Is I was reminded of this just... I'm reminded of this all the time, the centrality of the cross of Yeshua in our lives. The centrality of the cross that it's about us dying to our own agendas, our own flesh, us dying to past paradigms. Paradigms are models. Well, this is the way it was done in the past, and so... I guess we just do the same thing now. God says, no, I'm doing a new thing in the earth. Can you see it? Can you perceive it? It's a time to apply the blood of Yeshua, his cross, in those sins and iniquities that just keep on befalling us, just keep on at us. And to be reminded in the centrality of the cross is that the blood of Yeshua is sufficient for every need we have. And everything that's before us, we could say his blood is sufficient. In these days, it's so important to know who you are. Because God has ordained the time and place of your birth. You are not here by accident. It's not random that you're living in 2020. And anybody can agree with me that what a year this has been. And it's not even over yet. Aha, good news. The year ain't over yet. See, we need to know this. We need to know that God ordained your birth. God ordained that you would be here for such a time as this. We need to view ourselves our families, our circumstances, our calling, our ministry, everything through the prism of his covenantal promises from eternity past. We have to view everything from his covenantal promises. We don't understand covenant. I'm going to talk about covenant today because we have lost in our culture an understanding of covenant and it's not been good. It's not been good. We also need to know because God knew when you were going to be born and, and when you were going to be living and how you're going to be living that there's something redemptive in you because every tribe and every nation is at the throne of Yeshua. Revelations chapter 7, and I love this, and I want us to have a vision 
of Revelation 7. Verse 9. After these things I looked and behold, a vast multitude that no one could count. From every nation and all tribes and all peoples and every tongue was standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice saying, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. There's something redemptive in you for your family. I'm a Lieberman. I'm the first in my bloodline that I know of to know Yeshua. I don't have any natural children. As far as I know, the Lieberman name ends with me. But there is a there is something that is being passed on in the spiritual realm from, from what happened to me. Through covenant, change my destiny, change the destiny of my family. When he intervened in my life, I didn't ask him to intervene in my life. Well, I guess at one point I did, but I, was, I thought I was okay without him, but then he said, man, you're a lost jerk. And you need intervention. And I finally came to that realization. But when he intervened in my life at a specific time, I entered into a covenantal destiny. I didn't know this then. But we all enter into a covenantal destiny at salvation. And then as we become a, a Talmud, a, a Talmudim, a, a disciple of the Lord, we grow into an understanding what that covenantal destiny is. I was realigned, and this is what happened actually, is I was realigned all the way back to covenant with Abraham through the blood of Yeshua. I was regrafted in to what I had been cut off from. And you know what's become my genealogy? Yeah, I'm a Lieberman, and that'll never change. It's interesting because God has a destiny for the Lieberman family, but also there's an enemy out there who also has a destiny or he has a plan. Let's put it this way. He has a plan for each and every family. And I know this because I can look at this in my own personal life. My grandfather, my dad's dad, I never knew him. My dad never knew him because he died when my dad was six months old. He was 30 years old. My grandfather died actually 100 years ago in 1920. Nobody knows why, how he died. But what I've come to understand is, is it was a cancer, and it was the same cancer that I got two generations later. It was passed on through the genes. It's interesting because it skipped my father and it skipped my brother and came to me. And I remember when that cancer came upon me. It's not my cancer. It was, I believe, and it wasn't God putting it on me, okay? It wasn't that at all. But I believe there was a, a, a counterfeit plan that the enemy had. Right when we made the decision to leave our home church, our, you know, everything we'd been familiar with and to go into the mission field. 
Within a year, I was diagnosed with cancer. But God, God said he was going to heal me and he would be glorified in this. So whatever you're going through, God has plans. He has a destiny for you. Hold on to that. Hold on to that. We're regrafted in. This is what we're grafted into. You know, Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, it says, this is the genealogy of Yeshua the Messiah, son of David, son of Abraham. Guess what? We're regrafted or grafted into that genealogy. Isn't that neat? Isn't that cool to know? No other philosophy or religion can connect me to my covenantal destiny. Only through the blood of Yeshua. Only through God's family. Only in relationship with Him. See, we're conformed by covenant. And yet many of us don't even understand what covenant is. Only in living, only by living in covenant can we fulfill destiny in our lives. You see, we've lost the concept of covenant today. You know, marriage is, is a covenantal relationship. And yet, what do we see? Broken marriages. There's just as many broken marriages in the church as there is in the world, too. See, we've become not covenantal. We've become transactional. What do I mean by that? If you do this, I'll do this. If you don't do this, I'm not going to do this. That's what I mean by transactional. Transactional is, it's, it's temporal, it's temporary, it's shallow, it's based on convenience, not commitment to the one you love. God doesn't want us to live that way. In the United States today, we've lost a sense of covenant. We have to ask ourselves, am I going to allow a nation's culture to supersede, to replace the kingdom culture that I'm called to live in? This is a, one of the, the tests before us today during the season of COVID and chaos and corruption and all the stuff that we see out there is Am I going to be faithful to the kingdom culture that he's called me to live in and not succumb to the nation's culture that's around me? Am I being conformed to a, a system that is contrary to the kingdom of God? That's what we need to be asking during this season. This is an important season for us. If you turn to 2 Timothy Chapter 1, starting in verse 8. <clears throat> Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner. See, that's how Paul saw himself. It's a prisoner of the Lord. But share in suffering for the good news according to the power of God. He has saved us and called us with a holy calling. You have a holy calling in your life. Not because of our deeds. Hallelujah for that. Thank you, Lord. It's not because of our deeds, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given to us in Messiah Yeshua before time began. That's what I mean. We're entering, we're in a destiny that was 
God ordained before time. And we enter into it through Yeshua. We need to see things through that kingdom perspective. But now has been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Messiah Yeshua. Indeed, he nullified the power of death and brought life and immortality to light through the good news. For this good news, I was appointed a herald and an emissary and a teacher. For this reason, I am also suffering these things. It's the second time he talked about suffering. But I am not ashamed, for I know in whom I have trusted. Let me read that again. For I know in whom I have trusted. Do you know whom you are trusting? And I am convinced he is able to safeguard what I have entrusted to him until that day. Are we willing to suffer? Will the next choice that I make hinder or advance my role as an ambassador of his kingdom? You see, because he has plans for us, but we, we're not just like robots. We make choices. And when we think about the choices we make, is that choice that we're going to be making, is that going to hinder the kingdom? What do I mean by that is my testimony, my witness of the kingdom, is it going to hinder or help the kingdom? Paul says in another place in Philippians 3, he says, my aim is to know him and the power of his resurrection. I want to know Yeshua and the power of his resurrection. I want to know Yeshua. Do you want to know Yeshua and the power of his resurrection and sharing his sufferings? No, I don't want to do that part, but that's in here too. And the sharing of his sufferings, becoming like him in death. You see, I want to become like him. I'm tired of the shallowness that's all around us. God is shaking everything that can be shaken, including the body of Messiah right now. That we would awaken. I'm going to blow this shofar at the end of my message because it's a time to awake. It's a time to come alive. But it's also a time and we're, we're transitioning from the sons of thunder to the sons of Issachar. What do I mean by that? Who are the, the sons of thunder? James and John. Jacob and, and John. And Why were they called the sons of thunder? Anybody have any idea? Fire. Call down fire. Lord, they're not inviting us into their house. They're not letting us get food from them. Just Let's destroy them. Could you imagine Yeshua being with them? I, actually, there's, there's a time, you know, for, you know, it's like, wow. There's a zeal there. But there was a, sons of thunder are impetuous and are angry and there's a fervency there, uh, but not tempered necessarily with love. And yet God is calling us to be the sons of Issachar. We're going to be talking more about the tribes in the next few weeks and the sons of Issachar. First Chronicles 12. We read this in First Chronicles 12, 23. And, and it's also, I really want to encourage you to read... Um, Genesis, 40, Genesis 49, when Yaakov, Jacob, is, is getting ready to die and he blesses his sons. And there's a prophetic word to each of his sons that we're grafted into. I never really realized that until, you know what? 
God made covenant with a man, Abraham. And then in Genesis 49, it shifts. And that covenant is now being extended, manifested through the 12 tribes, the sons. It's interesting. But to, to Issachar, in 1 Chronicles 12, 33, it says, From the sons of Issachar, men who knew how to interpret the signs of the times to determine what Israel should do. You see, Issachar was gifted with not just being able to see a problem, but wisdom in what to do about that problem. And it's interesting because in that prophecy that Jacob speaks over Issachar in Genesis 49, at the end he says, he leaned his shoulder to bear a burden. Prophetically speaking, Jacob says, Issachar, he leans his shoulder to bear a burden. And it also talks about a wild donkey. Now, a donkey in the Middle East is very noble, active, spirited, enduring, strong, and industrious, fit for and inclined to labor. In other words, not just seeing a problem. I have been gifted to see problems. I'm good at seeing problems. Okay? But the Lord is saying, no, I don't want you to just see the problem. I want you to ask me what you're to do if you're to be part of the solution to that problem. And that's for all of us. You see, the covenant with Abraham, it, it shifts when he prophesies over the 12 sons. And as we, as we learn, as we're going to be studying the tribes, the tribes were 12 tribes but one people. One people, one covenant. And even if you look at the prophecies over the 12 sons, each prophecy is different, but they all fit together. They were never meant to be fulfilled by themselves. They were all meant to be fulfilled together. Different aspects, but working together. And isn't that what the body of Messiah is supposed to be? It's so important for us to discover who we are and how we fit into the whole. You're not just a pew sitter. You're not just somebody who hangs out on once a week or you pay your tithes. That's not what it's about. You're part of a community. And you all have a role to play. And, you know, I, we need people who, who, you know, the Torah service we do, people, Mike, he's out there. He's up there every week, faithful to that position, Jason, but they're out there every week because God's called them to do this, to serve. What has God called you to do? How does that fit into the whole? We each have a specific and important purpose. To understand inheritance, we need to know covenant and how covenant relationship are linked together. And like I said, we don't understand covenant. So I want to speak about covenant, five elements of covenant very quickly today. You see, God always, because the foundation of covenant is love and a desire to bless. Everything that God does is out of love and a desire to bless. But there's a protocol. There's a protocol. And we've lost a sense of that protocol of how we enter in, how we live in covenants. Well, let's look at five elements real quickly of covenant. 
Number one, it's a bond for life between two parties. It's usually involving two parties. And there's always a shedding of blood and an oath made. I will do this. I will do this. It's not something you come in and out of. It's something that we're in, and it's for life. God will never break covenant. We're covenant breakers, unfortunately. But through forgiveness, through teshuvah, repentance, we can come back in. We can come back in. And this covenant between two people, there's always a, it's like a greater and a lesser. Whether we're talking about God and us or a king and the people of a nation, it's a covenant. But it also includes the family. It's not just the person who enters in, but his entire family. And not just his entire family, but every generation after that. You see how it's all connected? All the way back. It's transgenerational. Secondly, covenant between parties depends upon all the participants keeping the terms of the covenant. That's why we read this. That's why we study the Torah, which is in Hebrew means, you know, in Hebrew is it's, it's God's teaching, God's instruction, but it's also known as Hayashod, the foundations. In the Torah, we understand covenant because all the covenants are written in the Tanakh, the Old Testament. To really understand covenant, we need to study those. It's a covenant between parties dependent on all participants keeping the terms of the covenant. And the terms are always spelled out. And we agree to them. God did that in Moses and the children of Israel in Exodus 19 and 20. He says, this is what I'm asking you to do. And you know what they said? We will. They actually entered into that covenant. Thirdly, about covenant. Man cannot make covenant with God. Can only accept covenant initiated by God. When I first got saved, I tried to negotiate with God. Covenant. I tried to make covenant with God anyway. I'm not the only one. I know that. God, I'll do this for you, but you need to let me do this. You know how long that lasted? Not very long. It's initiated by God, the greater, and received by the lesser, us. You might think you can negotiate with him about what you're going to do and what you're not going to do. And when we, you got to get rid of that mindset because God says, these are my, these are my terms. And they're good terms. They're, they're based in love. And they're, if you walk in these terms, they're going to bless Children of Israel seemed like they were, they never really went back to renegotiate. They just kind of did their own thing, thinking God was going to bless them anyways. And sometimes God said, you know what? I've lifted my hand from you for this season. Number four, covenant, it's giving your word. It's our oath to keep that commitment. It's binding. Covenant is binding. And see, this is where Today in our society, covenant means nothing. We're used to signing contracts. 
where you can come in and out of those contracts. You can break contracts. But covenant is so different than that. When we say, yes, I will do that, it's binding unto death. And lastly, the fifth element, if terms are not kept, life must be forfeited in covenants. There's consequences, a death. And, you know, there's a physical death, but also there's a death in relationship. You know, I believe when God breathed life into Adam and Eve, there was a covenantal relationship. There was a relationship based on love and and, and being a blessing in the whole earth. And, and when they disobeyed and they came out of that covenant relationship that they had with the Father, there was death that took place in their relationship. There was a death that took place with the, the earth. There's consequences. When Israel would break consequence, when Israel would break covenant, what was their consequence usually? Anybody? Anybody know? Exile from the land. So let me bring things to a close here. We've got a few minutes. We're good. We come into fulfillment. Our own personal fulfillment, whether it's personally or in our congregation, through agreement with the Lord. We agree with what God says. We agree with what he's doing, and we come into that. It's not building our own kingdom, building our own, or or coming up with our own agenda. We enter into his purposes. You see, that's why it's so important to find out what his purposes are for you, for you personally, for your family, for our congregations, for the the church, in the city, in the nation. There's purposes. And this is why we need to be finding out. We enter into his purposes. You see, if we try to build something God has not instructed, if we try to build something on our own that God has not asked us to build, he will intervene. He will intervene. A perfect example of this is if we, let's look in Genesis 11. Starting in verse 4. All these people were speaking in the same language and they were on this valley plain in the land of Shinar. And verse 4 says, Then they said, Come, let's build ourselves a city. That's the problem right there. They're building it for themselves. With a tower whose top reaches into heaven, what's the purpose of that? We're gonna, we're gonna just, we're gonna just reach up into heaven. We're gonna be equal with God. So let's make a name for ourselves, or else we'll be scattered over the face of the whole land. It's interesting self-fulfilling prophecy. Then Adonai came down to see the city and the tower that the sons of man had built. Adonai said, look, the people are one and all of them have the same language. So this is what they have begun to to do. Now, nothing they plan to do will be impossible. 
Come, let us go down. Confuse their language there so that they will not understand each other's language. So Adonai scattered them from their, from over the face of the entire land and they stopped building the city. That is why it is called Babel because Adonai confused the languages of the entire world there. And from there Adonai scattered them over the face of the entire world. Just for building a city and building a tower? No, there was something in their hearts. There was something in their hearts. We could become our own gods. God intervened. Struck that temple, that, that tower down and scattered him. But after this, he searched for a relationship with a man of integrity. Later on in that chapter we read, he met, came into relationship with Abram. See, he saw in Abram a man of integrity who understood covenant. We're going to talk about him next week. We're going to really look at, at, at him next week. Someone who he can extend blessing, blessing to us. Somebody who is faithful, whose heart was sold out to the one he made covenant with. You see, his intervention because of covenant requires a response from us. God requires a response from us. And in Abraham's circumstances, he had to leave his family. We're going to talk about that more. He had to leave his family, cross over the Euphrates River to come to the land of Canaan. That's why he's called a Hebrew, which we'll, get, we'll talk about the definition next week, which is similar to cross over. He became a Hebrew. Abram the Hebrew. He crossed over a river. He had to respond to what God was speaking to them. Repentance. Patricia was talking about that. If we're kind of heading in a way and, and God intervenes, there is a solution. It's called teshuvah. Turn back to the ways that he has said. If not, there's going to be a struggle that we're going to have in our emotions, in our thinking, finances and our families because God desires us to live in covenant. You see, when Abram responded, he went from being a prosperous man to the most prosperous man in the world because of his obedience to the one who called him into covenant. He crossed over. When we come into agreement with God and we enter into that covenant, this is the cool thing. It stirs up everything around us everything, starting with our families. It affects our families, our workplace, and even our cities. God is stirring us up to pray right now. And so we're going to the capital and things are being stirred up. You see, when we enter and we come into an agreement with God about living his way covenantally, it stirs up everything. And the devil gets really upset too. And you got to expect that everything gets stirred up. But what did we read earlier? God goes before us in battle. He didn't say we're going to we're not going to have any struggles in our but he is our victory. 
when we trust in him and we let him do battle in us and through us, but he's the one who's going to be doing the battle. Just stand with me. This is the month of Elul. We're preparing to return to the king. As I said earlier, the month of Elul is characterized by the blowing of the shofar. And I'm going to blow this shofar because we need to awaken as the bride. We need to awaken. We need to come alive to him. We need to have that Revelations chapter 7 vision of seeing every nation, tongue, and tribe gathered around the throne, worshiping him. We have to awaken. Listen to the sound of the shofar. It's an awakening, but it's also an alarm. Things are happening, guys, all around us, and we see that. And you can just kind of hunker down in your house and say, boy, I hope this storm passes. But I really sense that this storm may pass, but there's a bigger storm that's on the horizon, the next storm that's coming. So we can either keep on shrinking back or saying, God, I'm going to go forward. I am not going to shrink back. I choose to take up your banner and to walk in your boldness because covenantally we're in him. I should have brought my envelopes that we're in him, he's in us, and we're in the Father. That's covenant. He's inviting us back into that place of covenant. So Father, in the name of Yeshua, if you've wandered away, God is saying, come back, my child. Come back, my son. Come back, my daughter. My love for you is an everlasting love. I will not forsake you. I will not abandon you. I will not leave you. But I do want you to turn back to me. Come back to me with all of your heart. Come back to me with all of your thinking. Matter of fact, I want you to submit your thinking to me. Come back to me with your strength. And the Father says, I will show you great and mighty things. I will show you that my miracles of yesteryear are still for today. I will show you that my faithfulness extends even to you today. with you, even into the end of the age. Father says, just lift up your hands to me. Just lift up your hands to me and say, I do. I will. I will because you're my God and I'm your people. I'm your son. I'm your daughter. And I will love you will follow you. The Lord, when I fall, when I blow it, I will teshuvah. I will come back because there is no other way to live 
there is no other source of life. There is no other tree to eat from. There is another tree, I should say, to eat from. It's called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And how's that worked? But the tree of life is there for us to eat from. The Father says, come and eat. Be satisfied. You'll be satisfied in Him. You won't be satisfied in anything else. The Father's good. His plans for you are good. He doesn't have plans to harm you, to hurt you, to take away from you, but to bless you, to encourage you. Thank you, Yeshua. Let's just, let's just take a few minutes and just worship him as we close our service. Let's just worship him. Let's just worship him. And if you feel like coming out of your seats and coming up here,